Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We're back in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Um, this is, We're going to be covering a lot of ground today. I'm going to jump right in. We're going to go down through chapter 26, verse 22. Um, we're coming to the parable of the talents in verse 14 of chapter 25, for it will be like a man going on a journey. This is like the kingdom of heaven again. Going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who uh, had the two talents made two talents more. But when he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and did his master and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also, and he who also had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24. He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I hid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master said to him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming I should have received what was my 
own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he who will have an abundance. But from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This parable to me is is really uh, important for us. McGee says you've got to find out what your talent is, what your God-given talent is, and use it. You've got to... My study Bible says the central point par, point of the parable concerns the importance of being a faithful servant of all that God has entrusted to one's care. So I think, you know, we don't have time to just dwell on this, but I I think all of us, me most of all, needs to think about what the, this ta- this parable means. This parable talks about how important it is for us to use what God gives us the talents God gives us to remember that just like this parable says, he wants us to take what he's given us and be productive, produce fruit, not waste time, not waste opportunities uh, because he's going to be asking for his talents back with interest, you know, just like this master does so we need to we need to not sit on our faith we need to have roots that produce fruit okay verse 31 when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne verse 32 before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So, so important that just like the parable of the talents, it's almost like how productive are you with what you have, with your possessions? Are you generous? Are you helping the poor, the sick, or the needy? Find out what you can do to help others. Uh, It looks pretty obvious to me, but... um, That's what it says, um, because these needy people, hungry people, sick people are representing Christ, just like we're representing Christ in the body of Christ. 
the needy also represent our opportunity to serve Christ. It's interesting how Christ identifies with those saved and those who have talents, but Christ also identifies those who are in need without talents or without possessions. Very interesting to me. Verse 41, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Think about strangers even walking around at church. Wow. I mean, that's really convicting right there. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. How important that is. How important it is for us to identify with people around us that need us, that we can help. Chapter 26, we're coming. I know we're moving fast here, but we have a a lot of ground to cover for this day. Chapter 26, verse 1, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, now all these sayings is the Olivet Discourse. He was telling them about what it's going to be like when the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's telling them. Verse 2, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. McGee says this is like the sixth time He's told them that he's going to be crucified. He's coming up. Verse 3, Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him secretly. Okay, Verse 5, But they said, Not during the feast let there be an uproar among the people. So that's why they... We're going to do it on the Passover. Even Jesus, McGee says, talking about his death is a king. He's in charge. He knows when they're going to do it. Verse 6, Now, when Jesus was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, this is probably someone he healed, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Now, in the book of John, this woman is identified as Mary's sister of Martha. Okay? So she's a friend of Jesus's. Verse 8, And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant. They were like angry. They're saying, Why is this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. McGee says they're always talking about the poor, but nobody's ever doing anything that much about it. A lot of talk sometimes. Verse 10, But Jesus was aware of this and said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she's done a beautiful thing to me. 
For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Okay, so McGee makes an interesting point that, you know, nobody had the opportunity to anoint his body after the crucifixion. Why? Because when they go to anoint the body like the women did on the third day, I think it was their custom to do that, body was gone. Body was gone. So doing this before his burial was his anointment. Jesus realized this. The, the apostles did not. We'll call them disciples, at least for now. The disciples did not. Verse 14. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Thirty pieces of silver was what uh, was like a penalty paid by the owner of an ox that gored a slave to death. Equivalent to about thirty, to about four months' wages for a laborer. That was about, in modern terms, uh, four months of salary was about $7,500. Um, they considered this a low sum, suggests the low esteem in which Jesus was held um, by both Judas and the chief priests. Okay, so then you've got um, verse 17 now, the Passover with the disciples. Now on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, this is Thursday. He said, to, he said, because um, I think he's going to be crucified on Friday. So he's, this is Thursday. So this is really moving along, isn't it? Verse 18, he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Verse 19, And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, you can think of this as a miracle, because Jesus knew who they needed to ask, or it could have been somebody that Jesus maybe had have talked to earlier. And the disciples just didn't know. So my study Bible says, it, you know, we just don't know. Uh, McGee says it's probably just somebody who Jesus had talked to, but we just don't know. But if it's not, it, you know, it would have been another miracle. But in any event, they had this Passover at this fellow's house. Verse 20, then, excuse me, when it was evening, he reclined at, he reclined at table with the twelve. Verse 21. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, one after another, Is it I, Lord? Okay. Jesus already knew of Judas's betrayal. Jesus already knew of the chief priest's plot to kill him. He already knew where they were going to eat the Passover. He already knew he was going to be crucified. He already knew all of this. He was in complete control. 
And McGee says, as all of the disciples were saying, is it I? They didn't say it's not me. They were asking, is it I? Because they all knew that they all had the potential to betray him, just like every one of us has the potential to betray Jesus. And we can still betray Jesus. And like a good shepherd, McGee says, he always needs, we always need him to keep us like a shepherd. We need him to hold on to us. It's not like any one of us are so good that we can just say, we can do this. So we're going to stop here. And as we continue our study, um, we're going to take a break because today's Friday. We're going to take a break like we always do over the weekend. And um, we can reflect on all of this over the weekend. And then on Monday, we'll continue our study through this wonderful book of Matthew. So for me to all of you, God bless you. As always, keep your hearts centered on Christ. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing what you have to say today. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 31, all the way to Matthew chapter 26, verses 1 through to verse 22. So Matthew 25, 31 reads, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. So we come to the judgment of the nations. So all the nations were given an opportunity to hear and receive God's message in the great tribulation period. So the gospel of the kingdom will be preached among all the nations, but some nations are going to reject the servants, that's Christ's brethren, and hence um, reject Christ. So um, the sealed the 144,000 that will be in the Great Tribulation period, they will have an opportunity to actually go out in all the nations and actually preach the good news of Christ. So, you know, obviously, like we've read, some nations are going to reject him and some nations, um, and some people are going to actually accept him. In those days, it's going to be so bad that even um, helping one of these brethren, even just with a cold cup of water, um... This um, shows as a sign of actually accepting Christ and people risk losing their lives. So all is actually moving to the consummation of the ages. It's actually moving around this particular point, the placing of the Lord Jesus Christ on the throne of this world, this earth. So, scripture goes on to read, verse 32. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goat. Dr. Jim McGee actually explained further, he doesn't believe like a human being can be referred to as a goat. Human beings in scripture are referred to as sheep, so they can either be saved sheep or lost sheep. So, the nations... Here, um, obviously, it's individuals in the nations. They shall be judged. Scripture goes on to read verse 33. And he will set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. 
Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not, you did, inasmuch as you did it to one of my least, to one of the least of my brethren, you did it for me. So, yeah, that's the 144,000 sealed at the beginning of the Great Tribulation period. They will go out into the entire world to bring the message of the gospel of the kingdom, which, um, to accept and receive Christ as the sacrifice for their sins, to be ready for his coming um, immediately or soon. So some nations will actually reject him, like I said earlier on, um, and the Antichrist will have them, those ones who are going to accept them, even like offer them help, will have them slain. Scripture goes on to read verse 41. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the eve for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did you see, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Um, verse 46, as these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So here, um, just like he had um, told the ones he put to his right, that's the sh his sheep, he's telling now the ones he put to his left, those who did not help the least of um, Christ's brethren, that they did not help, they did not um, recognize the Lord Jesus Christ. So now we get to chapter 26, and this brings us to the final events right before the cross of Christ. Verse 1 goes on to read, Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, that he said to his disciples. So here, the Olivet Discourse, what, what are these um, sayings? Like when Jesus had finished all these sayings. So this is the Olivet Discourse sayings. Verse 2 goes on to read, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. So he turns to the disciples 
with this particular message he's giving them after he had actually answered all of their questions. So now he's telling them, you know, after two days mm, is a Passover and the salmon man will be delivered to be crucified. So scripture goes on to read verse 3. Then the chief priests, the scribes and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called um, Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the week feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. So in verse 2, for the six times, like, you know, Jesus had been telling his disciples like for the longest time that he was going to be killed. So Jesus Christ was saying that he's going to die. So he began from uh, Caesarea Philippi telling them that he was going to die. And here he sets the time now of his death. So, But these scribes, you know, Pharisees and, and, and um, high priests, they said not on the feast day because they would be an uproar by the people but the lord jesus christ said he would actually die on the passover and that's when he actually died so jesus is in command and set that time for his death so he is the king in matthew matthew represents him as the king so their bitter hatred led them to actually plot his murder and wanted to do it their way but you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, they actually will not be permitted to actually do it um, at their time. So the closer the Lord Jesus Christ actually gets to the cross, the more kingly he actually becomes, the more in command he actually becomes. Verse 6 goes on to read, And when Jesus was in Bethlehem, oh sorry, and when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him. A woman came to him saying, uh, the woman came to him having an alabaster flask um, of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat on at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? So this, you know, here, it was a very lovely gesture. Very lovely incident in Simon the leper's house. So Simon was called the leper. Why? Because he used to be a leper. So he was no longer a leper. And the Lord Jesus Christ healed him. And he was able to actually now sit and have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So Mary is this woman here. She was the woman with the alabaster oil. So John tells us in uh, the Gospel of John, um, that's chapter 12. So, And Mary anoints both his head and his feet. And it was actually Judas who was who led the agitation against her. So, but here it actually says there was um, indig they were indignant the um, apostles, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse nine goes on to read: For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. So, people today who always think about the poor and do nothing themselves, they are. Uh, pretenders they are always talking about you know a poverty program and yet they do nothing and are themselves um you know they make themselves rich and they're millionaires and you know and all these things so one thing we ought to ask ourselves is what exactly are we really doing 
um, ourselves for the poor and are we trying to just you know get votes or get popular or are we actually trying to help the poor so whatever we do we ought to do it for the glory of god um even if we give we ought to give for the glory of god and not for our own glory to be praised and to be known and to be talked about verse 10 goes on to read but when jesus was aware of it he said to them why do you trouble the woman for she has done a good work for me so as far as you know a christian is concerned they should um they they should not do or give anything if it actually doesn't glorify the name of the lord jesus christ so you know as a christian as a child of god we ought to give and do things um for the glory of god if it's not for the glory of god then just don't do it at all today we have people um who really give for the glory of God. And we have um, also in this poverty program so much corruption. And when charity is done in the name of the Jesus, of Jesus Christ, he himself says it's a good work. But when it's not, it's not even worth it. So, you know, instead of pausing and pretending like we're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ, if it's not done in his glory, then it's not worth it. Then they just don't do it at all verse 11 goes on to read for you have the poor with you always but me you do not have always so we should do more in his name if we actually trust and believe in him verse 12 goes on to read for in pouring this fragrant oil on my body she did it for my burial assuredly i say to you wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So um, when Mary broke that alabaster oil in the house of Simon the leper in Bethany, this was the place of, you know, light and friendship for the Lord Jesus Christ. As, you know, the, he, he, he did not receive, he was not received in, in Jerusalem. He was hated in Jerusalem. And these are the people who actually loved him and they are the ones fellowship with him so if you love him you will fellowship with him and they um they actually hated him in jerusalem but here um outside jerusalem these are people he surrounded himself with people who loved him so mary is the only one that actually entered in his death and the lord jesus said this is the memorial for her for mary so today we need to actually break our alabaster box of ointment and put it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we ought to do all things in his glory. Verse 14 goes on to read. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. So from that time he sought opportunity to actually betray him so jesus Iscariot, he had it in his heart to actually betray the lord jesus christ scripture goes on to read now on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread the disciples came to jesus christ saying to him where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the passover and he said go into the city to a certain man and say to him the teacher says my time is at hand i will keep the passover at your house 
with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they parted, they prepared, sorry, the Passover when evening came, he sat down with the twelve with the twelve disciples. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each one of them began to say, Lord, is it I? So here, and every one of these men knew that they actually had it in them to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. So now they were worried, and they were sorrowful. And even we are just that mean as well. We have it in us to actually betray uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. We have it in our hearts to betray Christ. So we should actually keep on praying. This is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.